0: Source on everything Patriots. It's time for Tom E. Current. So why is he so damn special that we have to call him Tom E. Current on WEEI?
1: <gasps> Into hour two on this NFL Sunday, we're from the Best Yet Private Brand Studios here at Howl the Moon at Patriot Place at one o'clock. It'll be Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans rolling into Gillette Stadium to take on the New England Patriots. Joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline, it is our friend Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston to break it all down. And Tommy, I I know that last weekend in terms of the results on the field, there were a lot of things that turned up Patriots. We hear that A.J. Brown is out for this game, put on IR for a couple of weeks for the Tennessee Titans. You know, at what point, Tommy, do we look at this and say, well, this is the NFL and the Patriots are just catching breaks. Like there is the boy, the Patriots have been really fortunate. And then you look around the league and see that everybody is getting hurt across the NFL and teams have been altered.
2: Yeah. Um, so are you saying, are they getting lucky and that's why they're well, seven and four or? I'm yeah, not, I'm no.
1: Not- Tommy I guess is is this luck in that everything is going the Patriots way or is this just this the is this just now the way the league is and everybody deals oh, with injuries okay. and the Patriots just aren't getting lucky it's you know just the way of the league now
2: I think it's a byproduct of you know how well conditioned you are but there's obviously an immense amount of luck look the main reason the Patriots won the Super Bowl in 2018. Because nobody was on IR except for Jeremy Hill, Jawan Bentley, and somebody else whose name Isaiah Wynn. That's it, three guys. That's all they had. High, they had clean injury reports through the playoffs. That is a major reason why they didn't win Super Bowls in, say, for instance, twenty eleven with Gronkowski and his ankle. Or so it's it's ever thus. Who's injured? Who's not? Who's available? Who isn't? And when you Center a team around a running back like Derrick Henry. Inevitably, as we've seen here in New England, your running backs are going to get hurt sometimes. James White's out, IR player who has great value to the team. Not the centerpiece like Derrick Henry is, but it's going to happen at that position. So I, I really don't think the Patriots would have to apologize or listen to columnists say, well, it's all breaking New England's way, just like it always does, and feel as if, well, it's a tainted
3: level of success tom the way i look at it i always tell my kids who play football it's the nature of the beast right guys are going to get hurt and, and that's just the way it is i think it's more about how you build your football team and when you look at the way the this patriots football team is built i think the one place where you can withstand injuries and still be successful is if you're built with a good defense Right. And I think mm-hmm. that's when you look at this Patriots team. And I've, I've said the, you know, the captain of the ship, whoever, whoever you want to call it, the driver of the school bus is their defense. And that allows you some room for maybe losing a guy here or there. Would you yeah, agree with I mean, that?
2: Yes. Because for this team, the way it's constructed, if Trent Brown goes back down again or if they have retreating, you know, returns from Isaiah Wynn again. Or guys along that offensive line, then you're back to seeing Mac Jones get whacked around a bit. And I think teams are going to bring more and more pressure on him, especially the Falcons did in their last game where he seemed a little bit rushed at times and made some quick decisions that maybe weren't awesome. So if the Patriots suffer offensive line injuries or Matt Judon goes down, well, that's the same. If the Patriots lose Matt Judon, it's the same thing as the Titans losing Derrick Henry and you got to knock on wood because you don't wish anything to happen to anyone at any time. But that that's the level of importance that he brings to the entire defense. He's making up, I think, guys, for the absence of Stefan Gilmore. You can let Stefan Gilmore go. And, by the way, they're going to ramp up his, his level of uh, participation today. The guy's week 12. The guy still isn't playing full. Um, but Matt Judon is the replacement for Stefan Gilmore.
0: So, Tom, do you think – this is the coldest game Mac Jones has ever played in in his life. <laughs> right now, it says it's 34 degrees. says it feels like 28 degrees. So, that one, do you think it's the coldest game he's ever played in? And two, second part question, um, how do you think he'll do when the weather starts becoming crappy?
2: I would have to assume it's got to be in his top three, A, right? and B. I would say it's number least. one.
3: He's from Jacksonville, so he, <laughs> he never
2: played a cold weather down there. Alabama, I don't know. Where they, the Alabama really doesn't leave the SEC and play place right. else. There's no big, so there's no cold out, outdoor games because all their big games, SEC championships, are in domes. Yeah, so right. probably the coldest. I don't want to yeah. walk out on the flank, guys. I don't want to make some declaration. No, 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 no. De- but we're all we, know, we all
0: think that it's 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 That's this is this is new territory for him. Oh, yeah. So I'm curious what you think. I saw some pictures of him. you, guys you know, me, during the week, you
2: guys tell me about the quarterbacks that you played with who were from cold weather cities. You were. In Seattle, in the early 2000s, late 19s. So, did
0: you have a cold weather quarterback? No, I think um, I think he's I think he's different, right? I can see a, a guy's going growing up in California, playing in college, mm. in you know, you know, Michigan or in Colorado, where listen, you have no choice to deal with it, as opposed to a guy that grew up in Florida, went to school in the SEC, suddenly is. In the, in the Northeast with the next, you know, six games being the most important, all going to be cold as hell. I don't think it's awful.
2: I don't. I mean – So no adjustment issue around, with him? No adjustment issue with think, him? I don't think it will be an issue. No, I really don't. Okay. I, I just, Glove, no glove? I, I hope he goes no glove. See,
3: I think, Tom, I, I agree with you. I think it's not about the – because I always think that people coming from warm-weather places, it's easier for them to play in cold-weather places because all you got to do is layer up. Vice versa. Talking from a, a guy that's from here. Yeah, but but I'd rather be from a, playing in the heat, you can't, there's nothing you can do. You can't continue to take layers off. Now, the one thing I will say is, how does he handle the wind in throwing the football in that type of weather? Cold, you could just let, layer up if there's no wind, and you'll still be good to go.
2: Well, that's the thing. You know, he's got big hands relative to the, to the draft class, but he's a guy who throws with touch, and he's a guy who throws with anticipation, and... I think we would all agree that he has what I would say is probably an NFL arm that fits in about the 50th percentile. It's pretty average in terms of velocity. So he's not going to be throwing wind cutters out there. That'll be interesting to watch as to how it impacts his accuracy and the choice of throws that he makes in this kind of weather. Tommy Kern of NBC
1: Sports Boston here with us on NFL Sunday. Sunday. So the questionable list is Christian Barmore, Trent Brown, Jake Bailey with a right knee. Believe it or not, you can't lose that guy. Anyway, Jawan Bentley, Nick Folk, Damian Harris, Hunter Henry, Dante Hightower, John Smith, Ramondre Stevenson. All of these guys are questionable, Tommy. Are there one or two guys that you worry about more on this list than the others?
2: Against this Titans team today when the Titans list has so many outs and questionables and fully unavailables because they're on IR, not really, not on that list. I mean, we've, we've already heard that, you know, Stevenson Harris um, are both expected to play Barmore too, I believe. So I just don't think it's going to register today. You know, they've had 10 days off. Those guys are listed, but I'm not sure that they're in unbelievable states of disrepair. So I think the Patriots are going to have plenty to to take to the field today, and they should. I look at this game, and when you reflect on it a little bit, they're missing corners, they're missing running backs, they're missing wide receivers. They haven't been able to protect Ryan Tannehill. Honestly, this game probably shouldn't be close, and that would be a pretty good statement game for the Patriots too. You know, Bill Belichick, they had a good time beating the Patriots in 2019 in the playoffs, and that team still exists. You know, it's not that far removed. Those players are still there. And the players from the Patriots, in in some small part, are still here. I I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots didn't crush them today.
3: Tom and and my question was going to be right about this game today. And when you look at this game, and who would have thought we'd be sitting here? I don't even know what week this is. Talking about the importance of the, the importance <laughs> of me. it's that well yeah I still don't know what week that is right. The importance of this game for the number one seed, and that if you beat Tennessee then that really puts you in the driver's seat because you might be able to lose one to Buffalo and still be able to get that number one seed. But yep. Tennessee, if you were able to win today, that gives you the head-to-head against them. You don't see them again. And, you know, when you look at the Colts, you got a better record than them. How important is today's game for that number one seed? I'd hate to say it's vital, but...
2: Like you said, it's important because they're ahead of the Patriots, too, record-wise. So you have to yeah. drop them into the tie to have that take advantage to take advantage of it. One thing the Patriots have going for them is they have a 5-1 and conference record. They're the only team among the contenders that has only one loss within the conference. That came in the opener against Miami. So they've won five straight conference games. That is one of the tiebreakers that would fit in, obviously, head-to-head comes in earlier. But if the Jets and Bills, excuse me, if the Patriots and Bills split, for instance, and they end up with identical records, and I think it goes to division records, um, and then maybe conference records. I'd have to double-check my tiebreakers, but that conference record is, is really important. So these games against the Bills, the Titans, the Colts, and the Bills, again, this is, this is the season right here. And even if they haven't had their bye, at least they got the 10-day break, and they got the bye after the Buffalo game. So... You'd rather it er- be earlier than later, but if you're into a key stretch
0: and you're going to get two extended
2: breaks, that's pretty good.
0: Okay, Tom E. Curran. Um, I know that th- this is, to me, the, the most intriguing uh, coach matchup in the league. Um, I just feel like there's there's a lot of gamesmanship. There's a lot of identifying. And, you know, and, you know Bill with the whole bouquets, and Mike's throwing out all the bouquets. When it comes to the coaching matchup, who do you think actually has the edge in this game? I mean, it's
2: trite, but it's the, the guy who's got the better players. And today it's going to be, it's going to be Belichick. Um, I think that maybe, and here's an interesting observation about the Belichick against his former, play, former coaches. They don't have a body of work that Belichick can refer to to assume what they're going to do. They have a body of work from what they know Belichick will do. So whether it's Eric Mangini or Matt Patricia or Josh McDaniels or Mike Vrabel, you can almost understand, okay, they are unknown quantities on the sidelines. That's why they're sometimes able to surprise Belichick. I think Vrabel's a known quantity at this point. Um, He is careless in the way that he coaches against Belichick. He's not going to pee down his leg. He has grown up under Belichick's wing, but I, I still think you have to look at, And say the guy who's won six Super Bowls and coached in 12 or 13 of them has got the edge.
1: Tommy, we're going to get into this a little bit later on. I know there's been some talk, not as much in recent years maybe, in terms of Bill Belichick. When is he going to hang it up? Is the guy best equipped to replace Bill Belichick when he does walk away coaching against him on the other sideline this afternoon?
2: Boy. In what – I mean – <clears throat> no, I think I think the Mayo is probably the most well equipped personally. And that doesn't have to do with the X's and O's. It has to do with the attributes that you can find in a guy. And that is what does he bring as a leader? And Brabel has that too. What does he have as a businessman and the acumen that he can show there? Time in the Patriots system in terms of learning it. You know, Brabel's been thirteen years removed now. So I think an in house candidate would probably probably be preferable when we get into this conversation i hear a lot of bill o'brien i hear a lot of um you know mcdaniels which makes sense and Vrabel. but to me i think that mayo satisfies so many of the things that you're looking for and he Tommy- can be a head coach yeah go ahead No, I was going to say, I was just about to
1: wrap it up because I know we got to go, and I know you got to go as well, there, friendo. Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston on the Harbor One hotline. Thank you, Tommy.